Listening to Three Bunny Buttons COVID special episodes. This is the fifth one. My name is Sing Joe, your host. For this episode, I have invited four artists: Dr. Kate Just, Dr. Tal Fitzpatrick, and Zara Sullivan and Nathan Beard to talk about their art project that they have created during COVID nineteen, and shared their creative process in this COVID downtime. First of all, I would like to pay respect to the elders, both past, present, and emerging of Kulin Nation, and extend that respect to other Indigenous Australians. And I would like also to mention that this conversation is held via Zoom. Dr. Kate and Dr. Tao and Zara and I are in Melbourne, Nam, and Nathan is in Perth. Also for this episode, I'm going to break the tradition of this podcast that the speakers、um, give a self instruction. Instead, I will introduce them myself, just because those artists will talk about their own artworks in this conversation. Okay. First, I would like to welcome Dr. Kate Just.、Um, Kate was born in Hartford, Connecticut, and、uh, migrated to Melbourne. In 1994, Kate works with various media、um, such as a sculpture, installation, neon, textile, and、uh, photography, and focuses on the feminist theme. Kate is best known for her inventive and political use of knitting. As an established artist, Kate has exhibited both internationally and nationally. Her work is held in numerous public and private collections, including the National Gallery of Australia, Art Bank, Ergus Collection, the City of Port Phillip, Wangaratta Art Gallery, Ararat Regional Art Gallery, and Proclaim Management Collection. Kate is currently lecturing and working at VCA, the University of Melbourne, as the head of Master of Contemporary Art program. Dr. Tal Fitzpatrick is an artist, researcher, craftivist, and a community development worker. Dr. Tal was born in Israel and migrated to Australia in 1996. Tal's、um, creative practice、um, sits across the disciplines of socially engaged art, craft, and activism. Her work looks to drive positive social change by engaging diverse group of people in the heads-on process of making, which create safe spaces for having complex conversations. Her projects, the PM Place Quilt from 2015 to 2017, and the UDHR Quilt Project 2016 to 2018, are both held in collection of the Museum of Australian Democracy at Old Parliament House, Canberra. Zara Sullivan, also known as Zara Sully. Is a queer-identifying, multidisciplinary, and photography-based artist. She holds a Bachelor of Fine Arts in Photography major from VCA. Her art practice explores the queer experience through a contemporary lens, with a focus on queering the mundane. Zara has been actively exhibited in Melbourne, Nam, and works. 
as a board member for Chocadero Art Space. In 2018, she was the finalist of the Major List Traveling Scholarship and Blake Prize. Last but not least, I would like to welcome Nathan Beard. Nathan is a Perth-based interdisciplinary artist. His practice drawn upon his Thai Australian heritage. In his practice, Nathan uses archives of imagery from various archives sources, including museum catalogues, the internet, the family photo albums, to deconstruct an understanding of his own Thainess as a positioned in a Western culture context. His work asks what it means to search for and create an authentic sense of identity out of a connection to intimate personal history and cultural heritage. Nathan holds a Bachelor of Arts with first-class honors from Curtin University. His work have widely shown in Australia. In 2017, Nathan was selected for the 4A Beijing Studio Program, a finalist for the John Strainer Prize, and highly commended as a finalist in the Fremantle Art Centre Print Award. In 2021, Nathan will be undertaking the Australian Council residency at ACME Studios in London. So here, I'm very honoured to have all artists to introduce their project and talk about their creativity in COVID time. In the search for artistic inspiration myself, I have come across a Kate and Tal's hashtag COVID-19 group project. The images of this project are frequently circulated on my social media and platform. The conversation starts with Kate and Tal talk about the history of their collaboration and the project COVID nineteen quilt. So we met like six, six or seven years ago, and Tal first came to Melbourne from Queensland, and I guess connected over our shared interest in research into craft and how it、um, shapes social change.、Um, it's just been really lovely to get to know each other, work on her research, and she's worked on things I've done, and we've both done, I guess, over the years, a lot of. Large-scale, socially engaged projects,、um, and so when we sort of thought of this, it was like it, it's a perfect pairing to kind of do something big together from the start.、Um, yeah, so maybe that's just the beginning of why us and like how we work together. You, you worked can... together before COVID. We we've worked on each other's projects, but we haven't done a project together in collaboration. So this project is like a full collaborative project that we started together、um, at the beginning of April.、Um, we kind of decided we were going to do something. We were both having to stay away from our、um, studios, and、um, everything was real weird and stressful <laughs> <laughs> with the. Covid and really just a really uncertain time, not just here in Australia, obviously, but all across the world.、Um, I guess yeah, because both of our practices do really integrate across the craft and social media nexus.、Um, it just really made sense for us to kind of reach out, essentially reaching out to our community. We have between us a really big network of、um, international.、Um, Artists and makers who are interested in this kind of space. We just kind of wanted to reach out and create a space where we could connect. We could come together. We could share what we were making and how that was helping us process how we were feeling and、um, our experiences during this time. 
So yeah, that's essentially what the project is. It's a digital quilt. So people are always asking us like, when are you making the quilt and sewing it together, which we're definitely, we're not doing that. So it's the actual feed itself where the squares all join up. That is the like quote quilt. Um, and we're pledged to kind of continue to grow that as long as this uh, situation with COVID-19 continues to be a global pandemic. Um, and a couple of months in now, it's starting to grow and develop in really interesting ways. And there's like new kind of things happen around the world, like the, the Black Lives Matter stuff at the moment in particular we're starting to see that be reflected in what's coming up in the quilt yeah. so it kind of represents this really nice time capsule almost of what's happening and what's happening over this time yeah and i would just add that so you mentioned the hashtag so the hashtag covid19 quilt is how we often are because other people are promoting the project we then find that people have often just used the hashtag but the account is at covid19 quilt and people actually send us by a direct message an image of a textile square they're working on and a short text about their name their city their country and what their experience how it relates to the experience of COVID-19 so we've had about probably almost 32 countries in the world now people have submitted in, in different languages as well um, so we're getting a really amazing global picture of people's experience through craft and everything from age people aged like seven all the way up to grandparents um, you know people who aren't trained as artists or makers to people who are really highly professional artists um, so really the, a very broad spectrum of community and of society so yeah well um, I I guess, you know, the, the, the most um, just uh, seeing all those Instagram photos with that hashtag, uh, I personally just feel like it's kind of um, use this image um, to draw us, give a visual kind of presentation of this um, people, like a large community, which is, you know, especially in COVID time, we all sort of trapped in our own <laughs> little space and then it's a hard to you know for me living by myself only the visual person is myself <laughs> so i guess you know like through your um project you sort of like can can see uh, a people can see uh individual and and then by a like a, this kind of common hashtag you get a sense of like a large community and feel like you're not alone i think that that's my take is certainly you can you know you have some um visual sort of uh pain point that you have this kind of uh registration um you're not alone and i think that's really heartwarming and project um and uh, I guess, you know, like you, you didn't mention uh, before, like uh, you approach people, but I still have a bit of question on, do you send messages to people? How do you uh, recruit all those people? Like through just purely through your um, friend or network, a personal network, or um, how do you get this, get, get in touch with people? And then, yeah, how do you make that grow in this like global events now? <laughs> So the majority of um, contributions that we've gathered were just a response. So we started this project by doing a call out. We welcome everyone to participate in this project. All you have to do is send us an image with a few words on your experience of COVID and how 
the process of handmaking is fitting into your life at this particular moment in time. Um, we certainly, there are lots of amazing artists and makers that we really admire and who were making work that really fit in with the project that we approached. Um, just again, by direct message being like, hey, we love your work, we'd love to share it. Um, and we kind of are continuing to do that as well. But um, the majority of people have come to us because they've seen like you, the hashtag, and they've had something that they wanted to share um, with us and with the community. And I guess what also happens, like we all know with social media is like, um, once we started the call outs and then we did the language translations into many different languages. And we had people who did those in the community for us who offered to do those. So then people start sharing through their own stories and then it reaches their network. And so it becomes an incredible multiplicity that happens. And then like craft magazine UK and a craft magazine in the US um, featured us. And we had people starting, we, we had one um, from New Delhi, India um, at Singleton and that post went pretty much viral. It had like yes. more than 10,000 likes. And now, yeah, it keeps going up and it's being shared all around the world now. Um, and so once things start being shared, it, it grows exponentially and you don't have to do as much because it's, it's generating from the community of people who've contributed. And so we do this like little things as well, like um, quilt quotes is a little thing in stories that we save in our highlights. And that's where we take a one line excerpt from the maker's statement about their work and we put it up in the story with an image of it. And so that's a more encapsulated version of it. And those things tend to get reshared as well. So it's just a lot of that. It sounds like you have another online avenue for this project, or that's just uh, Instagram and social med media platform. Do you create, you create another website for this project? No, we share this across, so both of us have our own Instagram pages, obviously. Um, so we share that both across those and across our Facebook pages too. And we both have a bit about the project on our websites, but it is the, the heart and soul of the project is that Instagram page. Mm, and that's where it's yeah. all from. So it's not housed anywhere else. Yes, you planted a seed and then you just let grow. And I think that that came from because we had both had that experience of doing that with other projects. Mm -hmm. Like Tal did that with the UDHL and I did that with my feminist fan project. It's where you start use this kind of regularity of posts and um, and narratives and sharing and it sort of builds its own momentum yeah but do you do you fear like do you uh, worry that maybe that would get it out of hand. But well, I, mean, I, can't, I can't really foresee this one, how could wrong that goes. But you know, like I feel like, you know, you started and then you let that grow itself and uh, with all the uh, mechanism of sharing and oh, it's, that's all part of it. Your have a sense of like needing to control mm. this in that way. Like we're very happy for it to be something that the people who are participating feel ownership of. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not something we're trying to like co, uh, like yeah. to author in that very direct yeah. way. Um, it's just really a provocation, something for people to respond to. And part of the artwork is the interesting ways that people respond to and become a part of that. Mm. Yeah, and I think that um, also it's like it's when we started it and the call out first went out, we were getting like 20 posts, a, 20 um, posts a day or messages a day. And 
it doesn't take a lot of time, but you have to kind of edit each one and have conversations about which image and so forth. So it was, it felt quite intense at the beginning and it slowed down a bit where now it's just like a steady few every day. day and there's like two of us. So we each do a couple every day and it's now it's like slowly growing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It feels totally manageable. But I think that, that for me, the most interesting thing about it also is that in COVID, which is showing so much the structural inequalities in the world, whether it's in healthcare or in relation to gender or race or um, access, you know, to access, services, access to services, access to government housing, support. everything, these things are coming through in the quilt. And I think that it's giving a really, it's making a tangible material record and archive of those kinds of experiences and voices from people very directly and personally. And I think that in, you know, in this time when these things are happening, these are the voices that can get lost in the common record. And that's something in my own practice that I'm always interested in, like the canon or the official record and what gets recorded. And so I feel like that's the work this is doing as well, is it's allowing a space for anyone who wants to to voice their reality right now. And it's Mm -hmm. voicing really difficult realities. Mm -hmm. And we've dedicated, as part of this project, we're kind of dedicated to ensuring that that um, is a legacy of this project that it's a it's an act of remembering so in time like say in 50 years there will be a record of this um, and hopefully it's something we can learn from in the future um, but it's definitely yeah, well, that's yeah and then the, um, my question then goes how do you archive this we want to make a book we need a good publisher <laughs> okay, yeah, so we okay. publish about it we do plan to do adapt this to exhibit it so there'll be records and catalogs and that kind of thing as well um but yeah we want to write both academically and in a way that's accessible more broadly to the community we plan to document this work yeah mm-hmm. so when you collect uh, the images do, do you like a, uh, do what i just did to just kind of search for hashtag quilt uh over 19 we'll be using the, we'll be using the official quilt which is the actual feed of our instagram page yeah the uh-huh. COVID-19 quilt, um, account and then we do we do still follow up on the hashtag but some people are using the hashtag and they're not talking using about it, us at all. talking about <laughs> us and oh, when we okay. contact them and we say um oh like would you like to be in our quilt and then they don't reply we we go okay they don't intend to be because they are so just making of, a quilt in COVID nineteen. Yeah, and there are lots of people making quilts right now. So, mm. um, and there are lots of artists doing actual quilts, like collaborative quilts, where they are asking for people to contribute a square. Um, so, in a more traditional sense of a collaborative quilt, where they'll then post the square to someone who'll put it together into an actual physical quilt. Um, so, part of the hashtag is actually people doing those kinds of things via Instagram. Um, and there are starting to be other similar projects to ours where they're like also collecting things on a feed, but yeah. Yeah. Another question is obviously this project's still going and um, do you, you sort of like also monitoring how that images change through the, the current changes in political climates? And I guess, you know, by watching your project growing, um, how does that project affect your own practice? I think for me, I mean, you know, I'm working on the Anonymous Was a Woman project 
which is an ongoing knitting, hand knitting panels, but Say Anonymous was a woman that looks at the erasure of women from the canon of art, and mm -hmm. also the way uh, women are facing other forms of kind of erasure or a lack of value around their labor um, in society, in broader context of society. And so for me, it's a really nice intersection with that work because that work is a work performed solo that's very laborious and is kind of looking statistically at um, things that are often uh, like a burden of labor or an erasure that's born, born or bared, bared, <laughs> alone, alone, experienced alone. And so there's something about the, this COVID-19 quilt that speaks to the other side of that, which is making your own historical record, working with community, um, you know, voices of people of all genders actually talking together. So it's actually just a nice counterpoint for me. I'm not sure how you... Yeah, this for me builds really strongly on my pre-existing practice where I look to um, digital engagement as a way to, um, yeah, get people to have conversations about issues that are happening in the world and try to move people from discussion to action around um, particular issues of injustice. So, so I think this is a nice, um, it's a nice continuation of my practice in that sense. Mm, great, great. Um, I think uh, I might just start move to next project. Let's talk about Sarah's work. Um, I come across your project uh, through your Instagram TV. Yeah, would you like to um, introduce about this project? Yeah, sure thing. So um, Angel Exchange is hosted by Bus Projects and was created by myself. And it's an exchange in which I send an angel that I've cast um, out of resin to an artist and hope that they will send me an artwork back in exchange. So that's kind of like the very broad basis of the project. Um, it was also done by an open call, but I did heavily rely on Bus rather than my personal um, network, but also posting it myself. And so I have a number of friends involved, but it's also been great to have people that I've never met be involved too. And for me, it was really about trying to create a physical connection in a time where there is no physical intimacy happening. So it's like, um, it's run by the postal service. So I send the angels off in the post and then I receive the artworks back in the post, which has been really special in the sense it's like a little surprise coming to me every day and I get to see what it is. <laughs> yeah, that's um, what I watch your TV is like a watching you. It's quite addictive, I have to say, to watch you unpacking <laughs> those packages. Like, it just remind me all those like a, a fetish, like those kind of YouTube channel about watching people unwrapping, unwrapping. Yeah, um, the thing about um, this a physical, like watching you making this a physical contact to all those receiving parcels and surprise, and um, and you in the video you would you would tell the audience immediately what you think about those works I, I really like your intuitive respond and but I think you 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 handled all the artworks really carefully <laughs> my big question is like why Andrew like what's the special thing about Andrew um as silly as it sounds it's not necessarily that special okay. um so yeah I make jewelry and I've been casting the angels into earrings and that's what I've been doing is like my little business at the moment. But um, for me, the angels also are a symbol that's kind of understood generally um, by most people. And it's something that's kind of magical and mystical, which I find this time 
is as well. It has that sense of unknowing. And we don't really know much about angels. And I'm also like thoroughly interested in iconography and I like to queer up my icons as much as I can. So I thought I'd do this with the angel. Do you make, you make the angels? Yeah, so I make the angels and I have um, a mould with two different types of angels. So there's one that's sitting there with its hands under its chin, like in that, well, I forget what the fashion brand is, Fiorucci, I think it is. Yeah. Um, so like they kind of resemble that one. And then there's another one that's kind of standing up in a sense. Okay. So another question is, I think that can be, uh, how do you collect all those physical like post address from people? I find that like, it's, it's really <laughs> difficult. I think now like email seems like really common, you know, um, information people give. But if when you ask people the physical like post the code and suddenly you feel like you ask a lot from people, like it's a kind of private information. So how do you get people to send you the postal address? I think it's very much just based on a general trust. So people actually email me their personal address and that's how I send it off to them. Mm. Um, and it's really just based on trust, even though we don't necessarily know one another. Mm. Um, and it's the fact that they know that I'll be also trusting them with my address and sharing this private information. Mm. It's quite intimate. Yeah. 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 Um, so how many have you received so far? I think it's looking at about 65 at the moment. Whoa! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, are you, so does that means you keeping making those angels every day? Yes, it it does. Yeah. Oh wow! <laughs> wow. Um. So because we're still in COVID, have you developed a, a bit of process disinfection process for all those works or parcels? Yes. Okay. Yes. My hands are very dry. I've been using a lot of hand sanitizer and you have to spray them and wipe all the outside of the parcels. Oh. Um, and then once they're open, they're generally safe because it's five hours that it is. Um, and I chose not to wear gloves just because I didn't want to keep wasting the rubber. So after each parcel, I kind of dodge for a moment and pop some more hand sanitizer on off the screen um, just to avoid that contamination. And then, yeah, all the angels I have to decontaminate before sending them off, <laughs> which I was a bit scared about. I was worried it was going to change the resin but it didn't very luckily <laughs> yeah and uh do you ask artists to give you artworks that have to be andrew theme related they're welcome to send me absolutely anything they like um it doesn't have to be related to covid or angels um it is nice when they are related because i get a little like oh they've been inspired by this but um a lot of the works have been COVID related, I think, but also some of them haven't been, which I found really fascinating that people are able to abstract themselves from the current situation and still make work that's not related. Mm. Uh, what's the strangest of things you have received so far? Oh, I don't know if anything's been particularly strange. I would say everything's been pretty great. Um, Maybe I think the strangest thing for me. Yeah. Um, so one of my friends, an animator, and they sent me a print of one of their animations. And then in the parcel was also a USB with the digital animations. Oh. And I found that really funny that this digital file has gone across during with the post as opposed to just <laughs> sent digitally. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. So instead of sending you a digital video link, <laughs> give you a, yeah. a, a actually a USB. Okay, so um, so this is probably stranger. What do you have a favorite so far? It's probably hard to to answer, I guess. <laughs> oh, that's really hard. I got a piece of kyanite, which is a crystal that has. I've even forgotten who the artist is that sent it to me, sadly. And they'd written on it, but it's this crystal that my mum has used to take away the extra energies of technology because that's something that she's interested in. And it was one of these crystals I'd never thought about. And then I received this beautiful stick in the post with some writing on it. And it just really caught me by surprise. Yeah, great. Um, and then that's this project still going. Do you have a deadline for this? Or um... I, I don't have a deadline just yet, but... Um, I'm going to have images of all the artworks up on Island Island, which is the Bus Project's digital content website. And um, that looks like it'll be launching around the beginning of July. So mm. I'm hoping it'll kind of, it has very much dwindled down at the moment, which is kind of nice, being less covered yeah. in resin. Um, so, yeah, 1st of July, but I don't think I'll expect to receive everything for quite a long time. So I did have a few international people involved with the project. So those passes take a much longer to be sent and be received. Yes, sounds like um, you know eventually um, Zara, your work will kind of similar like a uh, Kate and Tal's project. Uh, you will create this kind of um, mosaic image presentation of this project. And uh, I think I would like to ask the same question, like as I asked Kate and Tal, like has this project or being working on this project um sort of impact on your uh, practice or your time in COVID like has that impact your creative life and personal life yeah I think it definitely has I've I'm actually I'm beginning my master's of art curatorship and I think it was a really nice introduction um into curating for me as like um it's like a combination of both my practice as an artist and as a curator, which I've really enjoyed. Um, and also it gave me something to do, which was really nice. Keeping yeah. my hands busy every day, making these angels every day, it gave me a really nice process to have something to look forward to and something to do, which was really special because I think I very much struggled in the beginning just to fill my days up with something that felt right, not necessarily productive, but felt right. And mm. um, Because you said these images were published on islands island that publications bus project will there be a written component to this um it's just going to be the image and then the artist's name so it won't even have an artwork title mm. um just to keep that uh just because like some people didn't send me titles of artworks and yeah. i don't want to have some with and some without and what and are you going to really do with the them. physical artworks great question <laughs> I'm still not sure about it. I have a hopes that I might exhibit all the works eventually. Mm. Um, just because I'm fortunate enough that I do have the physical archive now, which is what mm. I really am fortunate to have with this project. So maybe one day I'll exhibit all the works, but we will see. Yeah. Meanwhile, it's such a such a nice uh, experiences of collecting all those works and through COVID time. 
as if you I know you you send off your um angels but at the same time you kind of keep receiving all those parcels and it's, it's a great excitement and then I can imagine that how that uh receiving these unknown parcels can be enrich your time in COVID mm. maybe let's move to uh Nathan's uh, animal crossing project <laughs> and um yes. Uh, I be honest, I don't play Animal Crossing. Uh, any of you playing that? No. Okay, great. <laughs> um, the uh, well, the only uh, the time I kind of uh, know about Animal Crossing because my friends, Sophia Tai, and she she's really passionate about it. These games, and I heard lots about these games. Um, and um, because of her, I started paying more attention on. Um, these games and, and then through the time I read um, uh, artists um, uh, start to do art project uh, on that platforms apparently there's a 13 million people um, um, playing this game uh, because of Sophia so I heard uh, Nathan your your project on Animal Crossing uh, and then that's actually relate to your show in first draft White Guild maybe yeah would you like to talk about um, how this project come about and why do you want to kind of extend your show to Animal Crossing? Yeah, the exhibition uh, at First Drafts opened in March just as uh, certain restrictions and borders were closing. Um, so at the beginning of the exhibition period, uh, I had flights and accommodation sorted for the end of the month to come back and do the public programming, which is uh, a forum, it's just the artist talks between the three different, um, the four different exhibitions that are on. Mm -hmm. And uh, as a result of the uh, increased uh, restrictions and forced lockdown because of COVID-19, um, we were sort of, all of the exhibiting artists were given uh, free reign to sort of devise their own sort of unique concepts for how a public program would take shape online. So after the initial uh, lockdown, I kind of felt seized up in my own studio and I was suddenly sort of uh, thrown into this sort of disarray because there was a lot of potential deadlines that then just sort of had this question over them yeah. as to yeah. when they would go back to normal, if they would proceed and in what form they would. Um, yeah. So like 13 and a half million other people, <laughs> I just kind of sunk into um, the game yeah. as a form of reward. Yeah. So it all started quite innocently. And then when uh, JD, director at First Draft, was in touch with how we would progress with an online forum, I kind of half jokingly said, Well, I've been spending pretty much all of my time just like on this game, building, uh, like performing chores, essentially, <laughs> um, to structure my days. Um, I just sort of half jokingly said, like, Why don't I just rebuild the show in the game and then people can tour it on the island? Mm. Um, and then it took off from there. Um, so essentially, the, the game is for people that are unfamiliar with it, you uh, essentially create your own little desert island paradise. 
um, but because of uh, how online um, interactivity works with this Nintendo Switch console, it means you can invite strangers or friends over and you can sort of build the island together and just like run around and spend time. And so uh, the game for me already had an aspect of social fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Um, I was already connecting with friends um, in isolation just by like retreating into this, you know, digital paradise. Um, <laughs> I feel like and you know, then, when first, uh, first life failed, let's all move to the second life. <laughs> yeah, no, it was very, it was very much that. Um, and it honestly just launched at like this crazily opportune time where it suddenly had all of this cultural heft and this wave of zeitgeist behind it. So it was pretty mm-hmm. all encompassing and like, um, just especially with like a very online culture, um, mm-hmm. you know, there was so many memes and that sort of thing, um, just around the concept of this game and how much, uh, how much headspace I think it sort of began to occupy with people just because it was an escape. Mm. There's something really comforting, comforting about um, being able to just perform routine actions <laughs> over yeah. and over again. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. in that sense, it fulfills the, um, <laughs> the, it fulfilled the sort of gratification that I would be getting just like grinding away in a studio at like some closer deadline that was around the corner or something like that. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I sorry. kind of, you know, mentality I can relate to, you know, like crafting as well. Like when you, you know, yeah, like yeah. when you engage this repetitive, like um, knittings and sewings and that's create a similar sort of, I guess, the safe space. Yeah, yeah. And I can definitely draw a same like corollary between this sort of processes I use in my work a lot um, of embellishment and decoration anyway it's all hand applied so it's very much that same sort of like physical physically um taxing stuff that you're describing there Um, and it's just like reenacting it did you analog your show from um uh first draft to this island or you sort of change a little bit yeah uh yeah out of the necessity of the way that the game um the game gives you 40 unique um design tiles that you can then use in like a range of applications in the game yeah and so um what was what we wanted to do with the online programming for my exhibition and online archiving for it was just sort of create like a unique uh online experience that could be engaged with um that was different to what a lot of uh, art spaces were putting online as content. Um, so it's very much a case that uh, spaces felt like they weren't very equipped to retain attention online. Um, just with like a lack of content being produced in these cultural spaces, it certainly was like very apparent a struggle with a lot of them to sort of capture the imagination. Um, yeah. So I think using the context of a very popular game already, um, we had a mm. bit of an upper hand in that sense. Mm. But um, so the game itself gives you forty unique design tiles in a way that some um, some museums and um, galleries were cottoning onto the versatility of it and being able to like produce online content. Uh, you saw spaces uh, creating like wallpaper uh, across like the walls and the floors to like recreate like Yayoi Kusama Infinity Room or uh, Andy Warhol, um, like, soup can um, wallpapers. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I wanted to do was try to create as like sort of estimation of my exhibition within the context of the game. So not relying on one unique 32 by 32 pixel um, square that would just be repeated in a space, but uh, mm-hmm. sort of um, using a photo developing tool that's already built into the game uh, to try to upload my work broken into segments and then repatch them together in the context of this sort of like digital exhibition space. Yeah. I watched a little bit, uh, I think you, you, you uh, on the um, first draft, because I don't play this game, so I, don't know, yeah. uh, I can't yeah. get to your island. Uh, but yeah. um, uh, on the uh, first draft uh, website, um, uh, you, uh, they post a little bit uh, Vimo videos <laughs> of, um, I guess that yeah. avatar was you. Uh, you walk along this, your yeah. place on the island. Um, yeah, yeah, so I kind of get a visual, like lots of your pranked work and photographic work was a transplant into this space. So, uh, uh, but in the physical expression, you you, you got some uh, sculpture. Is that because the uh, the limit of the games that you can't really put that in or you, you, you are working on that? Yeah, for, for this work in particular, um, so when you're uploading the imagery into the game, it does severely reduce the quality of the image because it's so pixelated and so reduced just in that sort of uh, colour scheme and all of that sort of thing. So uh, 3D work wasn't translating very well at all. It was very much 2D mm-hmm. works yeah. were having some of the integrity of the actual documentation preserved in the context of the game. So um I still was trying to work out with like the different tiling and placement and moving around and stuff uh, <laughs> to be able to play with um, the same sort of layers of, I guess it's visual density. That's what I was playing with with the original exhibition, just trying to use different formats of presentation for prints. So, um, you know, whether uh, it was mounted or direct on the wall as vinyl or pinned or framed or embellished in a frame, yeah. um, sort of recreate that sense of fake density in the space as well yeah, yeah. and um and uh on the um sort of bit of blurb of this project and um uh, it says that you uh also do the tours for people to come to your island yeah. so how many visitors have you um toured to your show on the island yeah so we did two um two is a day uh every saturday for the last three weeks so we just today wrapped up the final tour so it went would have meant that we had 36 unique visitors coming uh in total wow and um so do yeah they which is great all year round like do you like do oh, they, they yeah. explore and in, in, you know, like themselves or what's the principles like what what the guidelines like you gave them okay so um we ran it very much like an appointment viewing um, at the galleries. So JD from First Draft uh, would facilitate and introduce uh, the concept of it and I would be present. And then what we would do is orchestrate a Zoom meeting at the same time as the online play. So it would mean that we could still do back and forth and volley questions and talk about influences. Um, oh, wow. So we devoted a big chunk of it to explaining the work for people that didn't get to see the original show, just to explore some of the concepts behind the work. And then as we were going through um, different patches of the island, and then we'd eventually get to the house um, where the exhibition was upstairs in the home. Yeah. And um, the way that I 
design the rest of the home. It was sort of riffing on this concept of my house on my island um, mm -hmm. being like a contemporary gallery there. So there was a lobby, there was a storeroom, there was a shop and a, my shop. studio downstairs. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, Does like a shop sell room. your artwork? So it's, there's a custom design that I put up based on one of my works. So essentially recreating one of my works pixel by pixel. And then in the game, there is a design portal that you can access we get a design, uh, you get a con like a creator code, and then from that code, you can download any unique works they've uploaded oh, to the internet wow. to share freely. Yeah, right. Yeah. So a lot so of, like, the majority. That's like a, so, so yeah. much from the actual show. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, yeah. It, it, it presented its own unique challenges, which is, like, um, it was refreshing because it invigorated the context of me playing the game because it reshaped this idea of it being a tool for procrastination or um, mm. to preserve my own sanity um, <laughs> and it just gave it a bit of a sense of focus um, yeah. uh, in, 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 being, in being I guess forced to deliver an online experience <laughs> you know what I mean yeah yeah, yeah. well look I mean um, uh, that's come to my question because um, the title for your um, this Animal Crossing project is uh, Whitefield 2.5, but then the title yeah. uh, at the first draft is Whitefield 2.0. So where's that five come from? Do we miss the four? <laughs> <laughs> like it was, four. Yeah, it's it's essentially Whitefield two and a half. <laughs> so okay. it's uh, as close as a version as I could get to the version of the exhibition that was that first draft, but within the the game space. Yeah. Okay, I see. I see. I've gotta say, it's just um, it's pretty funny that even the context of like thematically uh, sh shifting the work into Animal Crossing, it still kind of overlaps with similar themes as my usual work anyway. So mm. the themes behind the exhibition White Guilt 2.0 were examining this sort of anxious cultural in-between space where I was confronting my own sense of um, uh, coming to terms with you know elements of cultural performance and 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 my sort of cultural in-betweenness being Thai Australian mm. uh, and how it relates to specific hand gestures in Thai culture mm. um, and that theme of cultural authenticity translated into the video game sort of has this strange sense of overlap so it's yeah it was yeah can you elaborate more like out. how does because like in the uh, in the your actual show uh, which is the show uh, you can sort of digitally experience the um first draft website they create this virtual uh, 360 degree sort of view viewing of your space mm -hmm. so um yeah from that uh uh, sort of interactive mapping of your shows. Um, uh, I sort of get a sense of like a print um, wallpaper, appropriated like a, a post um, images, and uh, which is like a, as you said, the culture signals is a very clear. But when you when you move that to the Animal Crossing, from culture in between, maybe shifted to a different. A more like a reality and a virtual space. It, well, that's just me sort of like uh, trying to uh, understand 
that kind of uh, what you just said, you know, this kind of yeah, yeah. thing overlapping like in between. Can you elaborate a bit more about like you find this, the connections of this um, two expressions? I think that um, you're right in the, the work really sort of proves that like what is authentic about a work when it is presented or engaged with in that sort of an online sphere. Mm-hmm. Um, so in this context of the game, I guess it's challenging that, um, it is its own new thing once it's represented in that sort of online format. So you're encountering that in its own terms as a, as a digital experience, especially this body of work as it's translated in a video game. Mm, um, yeah. Yeah. So I think it's, it's, it's approaching that sort of more serious existential question about the role of an art space online but in a playful way um yeah and I think I think a lot of conversations that I was having with people were um there was this sense of uh I guess I guess I guess it's sort of dread about like the role like how fickle the role of these institutions were when faced with a crisis like this where when audiences are taken out of the equation what's the usefulness or the purposefulness of those spaces like they can so easily become I don't know I just I guess neglected uh Mm. And yeah, I just think being confronted with that was very yeah. I I uh, think like a, yeah, just kind of uh, learning about all of your project. I find like the, all the projects that people have been doing in COVID. I find out um, when you know those institutional like space have failed in this particular time, and then. Um, sort of artists sort of started, you know, new spaces started, but this new space is either um, social media or Animal Crossing um, or the traditional (laughs) host, uh, you know, service. And I feel like uh, artists sort of uh, getting closer to their immediate audience. Like I feel like uh, you started this a direct conversation with your audience. You kind of um, start to locate where your art at. And another thing about your project is that's probably a bit of far-fetched, but I feel like your show like a physical show is about hand gesturing and, uh, you know, looking at a hand gesture as a culture signifier or signs. And when you play the games, you using, also using different hand, <laughs> using two hands to control the buttons. You're sort of like indirect link to this kind of hand in the culture layer and a hand in that particularly game context as well like people have to use their hand to to be able to see your work enter this space and I find like that kind of interesting connections of this <laughs> you know like a game sh- show in the games and then your the other shows well I feel like um I definitely got a sense of like awareness over my hands because I feel like I've got like this RSI in my thumbs from controlling the joystick. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that. <laughs> sticking those hours into where <laughs> the thumb. Like, it's yeah. all about thumbs now. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, great. Um, any well, anyone else have a question to each other's project? I just had a question for Nathan about the spelling of the word guilt. G I L T. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, curious about that. Yeah, I mean. Um, 
Well, there's this very, uh, it, it's, a, it's a pun on the idea that, um, uh, I, I guess you'd, you'd normally be considering it framed around a uh, sense of white guilt because of my uh, sort of sense of shame and performativity and the way that I felt othered by being forced to perform the why, which is a customary greeting in Thailand and because of how um, uh, unnatural it felt for me just growing up in an Australian context it always felt like I had to be coerced into performing it around Thai family and um, friends and stuff like that at Temple um, and then within the show itself it's relying on a lot of processes of embellishment and decoration um, and adornment in order to sort of like embody that sense of cultural expression as well. Mm. Oh, cool. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, yeah, there's a lot, um, um, definitely lots of conceptual content behind it, thinking about your show in games. I feel like <laughs> it's, a, it's a, <laughs> kind of a light, lightened a lot from your, <laughs> your this heavy conceptual works. Uh, yeah, anyone else have a question to each other? So? Um, I also want to ask Nathan a question. No, no, How no, do you no. find that? Um, the audience changed being on a platform digitally where you are able to engage with people compared to when you have a show in the physical space? Yeah, I think that, um, I think it's this idea of like, it made me very much more conscious of the fact that I was like uh, bringing people into a space and like having to perform as a host. So I think there's a care factor there, which is different to just, participating in a public forum if that makes sense yeah um i think it's this sense of awareness that uh you're also building a world uh, within within a game but it's, you're still sort of like yeah creating a space and inviting um people into it uh i think there's something tender about that as a as a as a gesture um yeah, and I think I think it's 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 so much easier to focus on uh, just one-on-one engagement like that, and I, I think it yeah I think it's a nice way to, to to carry the work. Would you do something like this again, Nathan? Like an exhibition in this way? I feel like now that I've gotten um, better at it. It might be a fun way to carry other installations of mine forward to rebuild them in the space. Um, I was joking uh, with a friend earlier about how the home in the game is essentially like an international gallery. So I can just pop those lines on my CV every time I remount the show. <laughs> so, <laughs> Slovetsia Contemporary. Um, so, yeah. Um, but no, I think it's a nice way of archiving the show. Um, and honestly, like, I'm much more obliged to, like, archive it in the game than probably to just update my own website. <laughs> probably more motiv- <laughs> motivation there. Can I have, a qu- I have a question for Zara as well? Um, yeah. I just wondered about um, how the, I was thinking about the idea of queering the angels and I was wondering how, like if the participants you're interacting with are, are themselves queer or what, how that enacts itself in the project, the queering. 
Yeah. Well, for me, it was like about kind of distorting this angel that seemed very perfect and clear or not clear, but like very clean. And so I kind of just like threw this like campness into the physical creation of them. So they're often like drenched in glitter and like bright pinks and these really um, queer appearing things. Yeah. Um, and then I just find I've heard like a lot of discussions about like queering of gifting and how it's this gifting that you don't really know what's coming either way. And that's kind of the same as like being queer. You don't really know what you're receiving often. So that's also a reflection of that. Mm, Yeah. I just thought it was, it's interesting because I have like a really, I'm sure a lot of people have almost like a kind of Christian association with angels And yeah, I just respond to the idea of reclaiming that and sort of placing it into a different kind of community context. Mm. Lovely. Yeah, that's something that I I actually often use like different Christian icons throughout my work, growing up Catholic and now not identifying with that as such. (laughs) Yeah. So it's raised Catholic. (laughs) (laughs) Later become queer. Been there, done that one. <laughs> Super encourage you to find a way to exhibit those. That would be such a beautiful show. Hopefully. Mm. <laughs> it's not just, yeah, that all three of us have found other ways to curate community mm. projects and build worlds. Yeah, yeah. In a sense, like, artists are such world builders, and we rely so much on institutions to do it, but then when they're not there, we just still, still do fun. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> And, and I think like it's uh, somehow doing this direct contact with your audience or build your own exhibiting environment that's enrich artists' own practice. It, like, uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm Im- imagining <laughs> all of your creative process, you know, um, in COVID time and, you know, give you a purpose, um, you know, on the days and keep you hands busy, keep, keep you like bring a mind and linking arts and that's so good like I think a lots of artists and feel you know lost during the um, COVID times. I think too what's interesting about these direct contacts with audiences is that in a way it's very empowering for people because to get rid of that kind of institutional barrier and the um, this it gets rid of that almost like mystique and that like myth of the artist genius and I feel like our audiences particularly for us too because we have participation from artists and non-artists it like empowers people to make them feel like oh the work that I do matters like I am creative I do make work even though an institution hasn't told me that I can be an artist that I can call myself an artist I can create work and share it with people and um and it's valuable and I think that that same Zara your project does something similar and you know showing work on a platform that's a you know mm. quote-unquote game I think shows audiences that they can interact with art in a way that doesn't have to be this kind of elitist thing that it's often sold to people as yeah and on the side as well I feel like one of the things that doing projects outside of art institutions and in digital platforms Um, and not physically in spaces with communities is that it really highlights how much I miss that as well. (laughs) And I think like you can talk about empowerment and how great it is all day, which I feel it is. We've all invented these new worlds and ways of doing things, but I, it's really highlighted for me how much I miss 
the physical contact, physical yeah. space, viewing art and making art and looking at other people's art in a tangible material interaction and interface. It's really showing me what I value and I yeah. and how much the I limitations. Yeah, the, the limitations of the digital. So yeah. even and even we made the digital platform to highlight within a digital platform the tangible of craft because craft needs a tangible encounter and so yeah. we wanted to kind of put it inside of instagram but still i'm like i miss it's it not so bad <laughs> yeah. yeah totally i think it's like um you know the the installations and ignacen's work and also zara's you know received this physical work but then she has to flatten it <laughs> scan it into a, you know so yeah i guess yeah i totally get it what you just said i think but I think, you know, instead of choosing one or the other, maybe this will give us, you know, new perspective to look at both, you know, um, environment, I guess. Um, and, uh, but I think that overall, I think all of those projects is, is really empowering artists and also like bring the art to every in the commute, large communities, not just uh, within the artist. So you all still doing this project? The project still ongoing? Nathan, I know you kind of finished the touring, right, today. Yeah, the but, show but will still, still stay up in. in the game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah the, show, the yeah. show I will keep up in the game as long as there's interest in visiting it. Yeah, as long, yeah. Think that I, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, um, any new project you, you're going to do or? Or you, you sort of just focus on this this project that you are doing? I'll be returning to um, some some group shows later on in the year. So it'll be it'll be it'll be a relief to just get that sense of routine back. But on a you know, continuing the comment before about just missing being in spaces and seeing works physically, I, I miss that sense of awareness of being part of an audience of something I think it's really easy to feel like especially encountering things in isolation or in, di in social distancing mode um, it's that feeling disembodied from other people encountering it at the same time um, yeah so I'll, I'll be very much happy to return to being part of an audience a part of a captive audience again right and also the problem is as well, like, I mean, when we get to a hybrid version of this world where people, like, we get back to some contact, but then we realize we have all these skills, like, that will be so much better in a way, because currently, like, my life is, like, 50 hours a week on Zoom, and then time like, in four Instagram accounts, and so you can't, and someone goes, oh, come to my online show. You're like, no, no, I don't want to go. And, and no. it's later, like when we're back to the world and we can go to exhibitions and we can like mm -hmm. meet our friends. And when someone says, oh, join my Zoom or this international, you know, artist talking together meeting, we'll be like, cool, totally want to do that. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now you just need to have a break. Yeah. Yeah. What I'm, what I'm for. Moderation. Yeah, moderation. Yeah. Yeah, it does feel like a, it, this this kind of a COVID uh, sort of isolation and slowly, um, you know, come to the end uh, with all the restriction now is one by one lifted up. And yeah, so I, I'm actually also thinking maybe this one could might last, you know, COVID special episode um, just because I, now I can have people in my house to do these conversations. <laughs> and um, yeah, so. Um, 
you know, really look forward to uh, to see you in, you know, real time and, in, you know, enjoy your um, physical connections to your audience and art projects. And um, I guess I'll just end here. Um, thanks wow. for all of you. Thanks for your time thank you. and um, yeah, thank uh, you. share your uh, project and with me and with the audience. And yeah, thanks, thanks so much. Thank you. I hope you enjoy this episode and listening to all those great projects. This conversation was recorded a few weeks ago. I'm back in lockdown again. My home is in one of those hotspots in Melbourne. I guess it's still far from the end of COVID. But I hope you stay safe and keep well. Thanks for listening. Meet you next time. The soundtrack is created by Marcel Fairfair. The graphic is designed by Emmanuel Rodriguez.